and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real-life HR situations we face every day. Let's dive right in on today's episode. I have asked Rebecca Wolford, our Director of Organizational Development and a member of our Diversity Leadership Council, to join me today as we talk through the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Rebecca, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I thought I'd dive right in with our first question uh, about your background, actually. I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself uh, to our listeners. Thank you. Um, so I have been with Paylocity for close to three years now. And um, I started with Paylocity as an HR director supporting our product development team. Um, and so the team that helps drive the vision of our software as well as then uh, create our software. So uh, as, as part of that journey with our product and tech group, um, I've been involved in a variety of initiatives to really support uh, women and uh, underrepresented minorities to have to be more fully re- represented. Because in the field of software, it is still very you know highly male. Um, so been involved in, and partnered with several of my colleagues within product and tech to uh, drive more recruitment of uh, women and uh, different ethnic groups. And then once we're in the door, um, to make sure that we're creating an inclusive environment. So that they have an opportunity to, so everybody has a voice, that they feel they have a sense of a belonging. Um, and then also, you know, with that, also having the opportunity to grow their career and feel that they're being supported in that growth. Uh, and that we're keeping, uh, keeping in mind that, you know, different pe- people from different backgrounds may have different needs. And so that we're able to create some additional support uh, where needed uh, to be able to give a leg up to, uh, to women and, and other folks to be able to grow their careers. As, as my side job, when I was working with product and tech, um, and I worked with an outside consultant who is now my boss to uh, launch our ERGs. Uh, when I started with Paylocity, we really didn't have a DNI <laughs> initiative, and so I remember um, our CHRO says, "Hey, I need somebody to help me launch some ERGs," which you know I had not had much experience with. And so, in working with Tahita, we launched uh, four employee resource groups, which I know you were a part of one of them. <laughs> Uh, which uh, is they are one is for sheroes, which is for uh, women. One world is for different ethnic ethnic backgrounds. Uh, equality, which is for our LGBTQ plus, and virtual connect, which is our virtual uh, group. So it's been very just an excellent learning experience and so awesome to see uh, to create these communities where people who have you know, from different backgrounds can come together, connect. Um, be able to find you know, confidence and uh, support, and to be able to help the org- or organization understand what are you know women's needs or people who work remotely's needs, so that we can better meet those needs through our different um, HR programs and how we manage our people. So that's kind of a long answer, but <laughs> gives you a background and yeah. also background for our chat today. It was great background. I think it definitely tees up even the next question I wanted to ask, which is. As you think about the difference between um, equality and equity, how would you define that? Yeah, so equality is 
basically ensuring that everyone, so all of your employees, have the same opportunities to make the most of their careers and they receive the same amount of treatment and support, right? So if you have like a pie graph, everybody has an equal part of the pie. With equity, equity is about giving people what they need in order to make things fair because not everybody starts at the same starting point, right? Um, so equity, giving people what they need in order to make things fair and giving in terms of what you give them is in proportion to their own circumstances. So when you give I mean, a little extra support to folks that then they all, then everyone has the same opportunities. You know, I don't know those listening, if you've ever seen this uh, graphic, I think it, it illustrates it really well. It's, um, you know, it's a picture of a dad and his two sons. I'm going to assume it's his two sons. That's the assumption from the from the image. Um, and they're they're looking over a fence at a baseball game. And um, the way they describe equality is everybody's standing on a milk carton. Well, the fence is, let's say the fence is six feet tall, right? Just because everybody has the same milk carton, that's equality. But not everybody can see, to, see over the fence now. And so equity is about uh, really giving everybody the right size you know, milk crate to be able to see over the fence. I love that analogy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that exact image. So that's definitely, it, it really kind of hits at home in terms of what that, what, what it can look like. And, you know, I think it's also like, you know, in talking about a couple of examples of it, because it, it helps, it, it can be a little bit of a fuzzy concept, definitely. Um, so like also the kind of along those lines, let's say you have a group of high school students. Okay. And fairness to equality is making sure that all of these high school students have the same levels of support. Right. But those who need support beyond that initial level to succeed would therefore really not have an equal opportunity, right? You may have some folks who are disadvantaged. There could be maybe some kind of learning disability um, so or learning challenge. And so they're really not all, again, starting at the same starting point. Like to your point, they're all having the same box to stand on and that may, or not a box. And so they're really not being able to see the game, right? So fairness to equity is when you're giving students varying, perhaps unequal, but proportionate levels of support. And what we mean by an unequal is it doesn't mean that we're giving people less. It's like, it's not saying, hey, Sherry, the piece of the pie that you were going to get, now it's going to be less because we're giving somebody more piece of the pie. You know, we're just giving, um, so we're not giving you less, but we're simply providing more to those people who need it. And then when you know, students get that extra kind of support, then they would go on to have the same equal opportunities. And actually, this very issue has come up in my town. I live in Oak Park, which is right next to Chicago. And um, Oak Park River Force High School has over, oh gosh, I think it's probably 3,000 students. And it, Oak Park is a very diverse um, community in terms of ethnically as well as, uh, as, well as economically. And there was actually a, a, a series on cable about the high school in my town about inequity in learning because they would see, hey, you know, you have, you know, there are there are some folks of higher means in Oak Park. And so they're able to send some of their kids to have a private tutor in math or in Spanish or something like that. And so they're they get a leg up and they're more likely to get in honors classes or something because of that. But where you have people who may be a little bit more, you know, financially challenged, they don't have those kind of means. And so it, it winds up creating inequity, not only with class, but also with race. You know, how, how can we try to, again, level the playing field? Um, another example, actually, and I was thinking about my own history. So um, uh, with this is that my, so my father was a, a carpenter for 20 years, union carpenter. 
And so my brothers, um, when they got out of high school, they followed my dad into carpentry. Now, my dad was a hard worker. <laughs> he didn't let them skate at all, but they grew up around my dad. They, they learned about the trade and they uh, apprenticed, not with my father, but with a friend. And they worked with, with the company that my dad worked for. And, you know, he didn't let him slack. But my brothers had a leg up getting into the trades because they're around it. And, you know, my dad vouched for them. They became apprentices. So fast forward when I, my first job out of college, it was so funny because I was working as a recruiter for a uh, nonprofit women's organization where we were um, providing a training program for women to get into the trades because the trades are highly male. And what we were finding, the the women that I worked with, most of them were women of color, uh, most of them on, you know, some type of public assistance, you know, maybe they high school, maybe some college, GED. And so a lot of the work that they were getting or being qualified to do were lower paying jobs. And some women maybe weren't exposed to trades or never even thought that that was really an option for them. So the organization I work for, we had this training program to teach women the basics of trade, you know, where there's carpentry, being a laborer, plumber. And then we had uh, job coaches who had connections with the different unions to, if they wanted to go further with that, that they, you know, to help them find an apprenticeship. And so that they could make more money to get off of public assistance and to be able to feed their families and and basically find better paying jobs than the jobs that they were getting. And so that's an example of equity, creating a program for people to learn more about the trade so that they like, so when I think about the women in comparison to my brothers, so that they have now, they're at the same starting point. Because without that kind of program, they, you know, it's a good chance they weren't there. If they just walked into, you know, like, hey, I want to be an apprentice, you know, it they might not have gotten it. So th- this gives them a leg up and they still have to prove themselves, but it gives them, it gives, it brings them to the, the, the same starting point. Yeah. What a great example. As I think about uh, what this might look like in corporate America, right? As you think about some of the private and public businesses, you know, why does it, why does it matter? Why does that difference matter? Like, why do we need to understand equality versus equity? So I think in the workplace, you know, when, and, and I mean, DEI has been, DNI, diversity inclusion, it have been, been around for a bit. I think companies are still, some companies are further along. And I think a lot of companies are still, are starting to dip their toe in. When it comes to DNI, you, you really have to have all three, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So diversity is your mix, right? Um, you know, whether it's ethnic diversity, age diversity, gender diversity, et cetera, uh, people with disabilities, uh, then when it comes to inclusion, it's like creating that environment for people of different backgrounds to feel that they belong, that they have a voice, uh, they feel valued. But then equity is really kind of the, I would say, like the ignition that people need, that if, the, if there are people of different backgrounds who maybe need a little bit of extra support so that they, be, they can be on the same playing field and be and and really take advantage of the opportunities or really succeed in the opportunities that are presented to them. That's what equity does, right? So without equity, though, it's like, well, everybody has the same opportunities, but not everybody, again, starts at the same starting point. So giving, you know, giving that a little bit extra support is what makes that happen. Um, and when if people don't have that equity, what happens is when, when companies don't prioritize equity alongside diversity and inclusion, the quality of the experience for those groups suffers 
So again, everybody might be getting the same experience, but certain groups are not getting the same level of satisfaction. Why do you think there's been this shift? Um, and for those that are getting their feet wet right now, why do you think they need to start making this shift to, to really move towards, um, you know, from diversity, equality, and inclusion to diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think that, you know, with equity, they are, um, in, in terms of making the shift, it, it really is. So, so I think, I think one example is if you're, um, let's say if you have a goal of, okay, we want to have 50, so let's say diversity, right? We want to have 50% women in leadership positions. So you can hire a recruiter or ask your recruiter to say, okay, we need 50% more women. Um, and you can, you know, include the women, you know, you have women in the ranks, but what are you doing to then support these women once they're in the ranks? Because especially if you're walking in with, it's mostly male, <laughs> you know, so what are you doing to ensure that, you know, the, the people who are already in the ranks are being inclusive and also are learning that, you know, as, as, you know, to be able to flex to different leadership styles, you know, because I mean, again, all people can have different leadership styles regardless of gender, but when you have, but when you're bringing in a different mix of people, whether it's women or people with different ethnic backgrounds, you know, what's, what you're benefiting from is different perspectives, you know, different experiences, but also you might see different styles. So you have to create an inclusive environment for that. And not every, again, I think the question, you know, you, you really have to understand your population, right? You know, and again, not every woman's the same, not every man's the same. So it's really understanding who you're and your company, who your target audience is, what they need, and then what they can, you know, what kind of level support that they, they, that they could require. Like, so for example, in products and tech, um, I'm working with, uh, some colleagues there, we have a, a kind of a pilot of a coaching program for women, um, for women developers and software test engineers. And because we were there, we have a, you know, there's a smaller piece of the pie of of women. We want to grow that piece of the pie, but we also want to make sure that when they're, you know, as, as we hire more women developers and software test engineers, that they are, you know, that they're getting extra support if they need it so that they can rise their career where they just want to be an individual contributor, go from like software engineer, to senior software engineer, where they aspire to a leadership role. So what we've done, uh, my colleagues and I have talked to some of our women in product and tech and asked them what kind of support they need. And we found that not everybody needs the same thing. Some women are like, hey, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm happy with where my career is now. I'm getting support I need. Fine. Some women are like, hey, I need, I would love to have a coach that would help me with uh, this particular technical discipline, like C Sharp or .NET. You know, maybe I need help with that. So, hey, let's connect them. And maybe they don't have somebody on their team that has that kind of expertise. So let's connect them with somebody on another project team that might have ex- that expertise to help grow them in that area. You could also have, a, we've also had women who say, hey, you know what? It's not about skills for me. It's about, I just want somebody to bounce stuff off of. Or ha- when I have those moments where I'm like, am I crazy? <laughs> or am I just seeing things? Or I just want to validate, I want to get some validation to have a confidant, right? And so we've created this program, uh, this pilot program called the three C's, which is coach, confidant, and cohort. And we have been, we've, it's, this is in its nascent period, it's been going on for a few months, but really understanding the needs of our women who have raised their hand and say, Hey, I do want something and connecting them with whether it's a confidant, a confidant, a coach to help them with a skill or knowledge area. And then what a cohort is, is um, people who have the same, like same thing that they want to improve. Like, like, Hey, I want to, we all want to get better presentation skills or we want to get better at systems architecture. Then 
creating a cohort around that particular area and involving a subject matter expert so they could all learn together. Um, so that in, instead of having like five different coaches all teaching five different people the same thing, um, so we can you know you know be able to, to uh, expand that. So that's something that we're looking to um, we're still playing with and continuing to grow. But really going through that experience and talking to different women really really it isn't one size fits all. You offered a lot of great first steps. I'm hoping that maybe you could break it down for those listening. You know, how do I start to bring this to life in my organization? You know, I think it is where you are in your journey, right? So, um, I mean, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, I think diversity and inclusion need to co- to actually be parallel with each other, right? Because um, sometimes it, it is when you think about all of DEI, it can be intimidating. You know, it was intimidating for us. So it is like, well, so where do you start? And it's like, well, first, do you have commitment from leadership to try to create more diverse organization? Okay. So having that commitment to create a more diverse organization, you know, what, how does that affect your hiring plans? Um, how do you, how you, how you source talent? And then at the same time, you really should be, so once we get this talent in the door, creating an inclusive environment. So it, they, once you, they come in the door, they just won't go out the door <laughs> because they're like, Hey, I don't feel I can thrive in this environment because I don't feel I have a voice. I don't feel that I belong. Maybe I'm starting to feel isolated. Right. So working with your leadership. And if you don't have an expert in DEI, I really encourage you either to go to classes. There's a lot of classes offered by a lot of outside organizations. I know we are building our own uh, DEI curriculum or getting a consultant like we did uh, to help us walk that journey. And that was some of our journey that we did. You know, let's start. You know, how do we start to recruit more? But then at the same time, how do we create more of an inclusive environment? And so ERGs was our first step and starting to create an inclusive environment. But I think with that inclusive environment, doing a lot of education of your senior, of your executive leadership and your managers about what DE&I is. And so as you then have more, you know, again, depending on what your underrepresented group is, whether it's people with, uh, you know, different abilities, um, LGBTQ+, um, remote versus in-person workers, single parents versus parents versus single individuals, you know, really talking to those employees to understand what their needs are and then seeing where the trends are and, and maybe that will lead you to creating some different programs. So whether it is, so you might do some surveys or, you know, so doing surveys or focus groups or individual interviews to find out employees' unique needs and what those gaps are in their experience in the workplace. And then you can start to build some strategies. You know, whether it is more of a flex work week, um, you know, whether it be for people who are taking care of their children or maybe taking care of, um, an, you know, an elderly parent, um, whether it is, uh, you know, in, ensuring that you have uh, spousal health insurance benefits available to same-sex partners and making sure all of your benefits um, are inclusive of, of domestic partners, um, you know, ensuring that your accommodations in your um in your company, there's accommodations for employees with disabilities um, or mental health needs so that your workplaces are accessible. Uh, they have gender neutral restrooms. And there's a lot of things that you can be doing, you know, but get the mix, make sure you have some strategies to ensure people that, whether it's training, you know, to feel people included, and then really understanding the needs of your uh, the folks who are underrepresented and then creating those programs against that. So that, that, that would be, that would be some of the big steps. I mean, it's a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, if you, if you start small, you know, you can kind of start to break it down, you know, um, you know, but you know, you will never go wrong when you really stay in touch with your employee population. 
So you mentioned a lot of actually really cool things to start to look at when thinking about equity. You know, one of the things that I think is really important is doing an annual pay equity analysis. Can you share a little bit about, you know, why that's important and potentially what you're going to learn from doing that in your organization? Sure, no problem. So um, for folks who maybe have never done a pay equity analysis, analysis, uh, pay equity means compensating employees the same when they perform the same or similar job duties while accounting for other factors such as experience level, job performance, how long they've been with the company. Um, what we're seeing you know, with state laws is uh, most state laws actually provide broader protection than the Federal Equal Pay Act by requiring companies to pay men and women equally for substantially similar work rather than equal work. And also, many states have expanded fair pay requirements beyond gender to include race and other protected characteristics. And also, we're seeing that um, also states are mandating greater transparency in the workplace with regard to pay and protecting protecting employees from retaliation when they attempt to, att- when they attempt to correct pay disparities. Um, so when, when you're doing a pay equity analysis, it really is a tool that gives companies the information that you need to identify what those disparities are and opportunities to improve equity. So when you're doing the analysis, um, if you do see some discrepan- discrepancy, so let's say you have um, two account executives, one male, one female, and the female is making $15,000 less than the male. We'll understand why that is. You know, is it because maybe she just got promoted to that um, and, and the male has been in the role for a couple of years? Okay, that might be, you know, a reason to wh- why there's a disparity there. Um, is it that the male has more experience um, in that role, you know, maybe coming from the outside than the female does? Um, so those are the types of factors that, you know, those are one of, or two, two factors that you could be looking at, right? But if those factors are all equal, you know, if you have, you know, it's the same amount of experience, they've been with a company same amount of time or, you know, similar amount of time, you know, their skills are, you know, relatively similar and you find that discrepancy, then the, it is your responsibility to, to make a plan to try to reduce that gap, right? Um, and the biggest thing is about a plan. We all know, especially in times of COVID, that companies are, you know, not saying that they're not always looking at their bottom line, but even more so now, right? You know, there's been tons of layoffs, you know, and people out of work, and some companies have frozen increases or even frozen promotions for that matter. So um, by doing a pay equity analysis, I think it's even important in, in now, especially if, even if companies are, you know, holding off on raises to do it because when things get better, um, you'll want to make sure that taking care of and addressing some of these uh, pay dis- discrepancies are a priority because of what we're what we're seeing in state law. But it's also the right thing to do. You know, I think, and even we're, we're you know, Sherry, you and I are both employees. You know? I mean, we want to know that we're, you know, we're being paid equitably for what we're doing and, and, you know, like our experience, but also our contributions to the business, right? You know, another thing to mention would be um, the movement around pay transparency that we're seeing. Um, you know, doing a pay equity analysis is going to put you in a good spot for when you want to explore pay transparency. Um, You mentioned a lot of really cool programs, a lot of great examples. You know, let's say that you're you're listening and you're like, okay, I need to move forward with this. Um, What are some talking points, tips about dealing with our leaders and helping them understand um, the changes we need to make, the reasoning behind it, um, and the benefit to the company. 
I think that there's a lot of good studies. Like where I would start is, uh, or if you're continuing on your journey, there's a lot of good studies out there about the impact of DE&I initiatives to revenue and profitability. When you're talking to senior leaders, uh, you know, that's what, you know, that's what talks, let's be honest. You know, when you can relate DE&I to what the company's trying to accomplish. And there are a lot of studies out there that companies who have a, you know, have a strong DE&I initiative are reaping the benefits of it in terms of more revenue due to innovation, because you have more, you, you have different voices in the room when it comes to creating products or delivering services. Um, they're seeing, uh, be, you know, better ret- when it comes to profitability. Um, and also, you know, when it, when it comes to competitive advantage, right? You know, as a company, I mean, we're a software company and the more people we're, we're developing software, the more voices that we listen to, what, whether it's our customers, our stakeholders within the company, maybe it's, you know, vendors, um, and definitely our fellow colleagues and our HR staff, the more that our, that the folks who are developing our software understand the different perspectives, the more that they can create software that actually works for a variety of people. And the more likely that we're going to be able to meet a variety of people's needs, the more more successful we're going to be in selling it. <laughs> Let's be honest, you know, because if you understand, you know, what different people's needs are, then when you're trying to sell your product, you're you're going to understand. You're going to be able to sell to that need. Whereas if you're only listening to a certain segment of the population, then you can really probably only sell to that segment of the population. You know, so how you can really expand expand how you think about how you sell your product is is important, and also how you service your product as well. Okay, last question. Uh, I'm putting on my HR hat, right, for those HR people listening. Um, What questions do we in HR need to ask ourselves as we are thinking about being more equitable to employees? Um, You know, beyond some of the stuff you mentioned, like what are your go-to like gut checks when you're rolling out something that you need to think about? I think one place I would start is, you know, we all companies have a handbook and policies. So I would take a look there first, right? Um, in terms of, are we making sure that our policies, our guidelines, maybe our benefit offerings are inclusive? That, that's where I would look to as uh, is, is one of the key things. Because um, policies can be relatively, you know, I, I think that is something that you could change rather quickly um, depending on the policy. Like, do you have DEI policies? Do you have, um, you know, anti-sexual harassment policies? How would you handle ADA? You know, those are the greens fees, right? You know, like, do you have a good employee handbook, good policies to back up, um, you know, obviously laws that we have to follow as HR folks, but also as we think more about DEI. Um, and getting more of a diverse workforce and inclusive workforce and also driving equity, how we can be built, having that hat on when we're building our policies. Um, so that's a place I would start first is making sure the policy is there. Because if you're trying to attack talent and then all of a sudden when they're, they're reading your, their handbook in their first week in front of orientation and there's nothing really about, you know, those t- types of, you know, services and, and things that we really are going to stand for as a company, then, you know, I, I think that could be 
you know, kind of a negative, you know, in their first week is like, Hey, you know, I don't, I'm not seeing some of the protections or the support that I would hope I would be seeing from this company that I'm joining. So really, I think really starting there, but then also, um, as you start to, you know, if you're doing engagement surveys or engagement surveys are a great place, you know, you know, whether you're building them there yourself or using an outside one or using our survey product, starting to use engagement surveys, even if it's in, if you want us to do a start small, even if it's in a group where you know that there's an issue, understanding, you know, what's going on there, surveying um, employees of all backgrounds and um, understanding what the unique needs are and then building some plans there. Um, Because sometimes it's hard, especially as a company like ours, like 3,000 people, you can't boil the ocean. Go where you think there is the biggest need. Um, and focus there and try, and also hopefully having managers or senior leaders who are really hungry for it. Because if you have like two senior leaders and one's like, I don't know if I believe in this. If your one's like, hey, I'm really bought in and well, how can I help you? You know where to go to. Because if you can, you know, use, if you have a really receptive leader and then work, partner with that leader to really make a difference in their business, you can leverage that with leaders who maybe are not as yet bought in. Rebecca, thanks for such a great discussion. Um, This was awesome. I look forward to continued conversations uh, around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, thanks for jumping on today. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.